0: hey everybody and welcome to growth week my name is justin doro i'm a certified john Maxwell leadership coach as well as the lead pastor here at word of truth ministry so this month i'm talking to my favorite person in the whole wide world. And that person happens to be my wife, Reddy. And uh, our growth conversation this week is centered around this New Testament idea of putting on Christ. Yesterday, Reddy, we were like the paparazzi around the red carpet as we were trying to figure out who most Christians are wearing. So if you missed that conversation, I would like to encourage you to first listen to yesterday's episode before you can effectively track with us today so how are you doing ready
1: i'm good hello everyone it is so exciting for me to be here with you today and we've got a very interesting and very exciting very juicy if i can put it like that um, topic that we're going to be uh, following up on as we talk of putting on christ
0: That's right. Today we are going to be moving on to the second aspect of putting on Christ. Yesterday we were focusing more on the aspect that said Christ has already given us the wardrobe; He has already given us everything we need for life and godliness and so we are now beginning to take off certain things because there's this idea of removing the old nature so that you can be clothed with this new nature that is made after God's image. I think that's where we concluded uh, yesterday.
1: So in Colossians 3, reading from verse 1 to verse 10 this is what the bible says set your hearts on things above where christ is seated at the right hand of god set your minds on things above not only earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with christ in god when christ who is your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory
0: as you can see here, what Paul is about to say is based on the fact that you are a Christian. You have already given your life to Jesus Christ. And I want to say, if you are not yet born again, if you are if you're not a believer, what we are going to talk about might sound like it doesn't make sense to you because obviously you don't believe in Jesus Christ. But for everybody who claims to be a Christian, the things that Paul is about to mention here and the things that he wants us to take seriously should be... Uh, weighty in our relationship or in our thinking all right so let's get on in verse 5 what does he say
1: put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality impurity lust evil desires and greed which is idolatry
0: now as you can see there Paul begins to highlight these things and again if you're not a christian these things it's not a big deal but if you're a christian these things are such a big deal that paul says you need to put them to death not just remove them he's like these things must die you must they have got no part in you and so we have to seriously consider removing these things and making sure that they are dead in our lives so that we can effectively put on jesus christ let's go in verse six
1: because of these the wrath of god is coming
0: The main point he's trying to make here is you are no longer a man after the old image. You are now a new creation and you have put on Christ. And because of that, he says, you used to to walk in these ways. And if you are a born again believer, you know that in your previous life, these things were easy to walk in because that's what everybody else is doing. But he says, because now you are born again, you need to put these things off and you should rid yourself of these things. So there are four categories that we can see clearly from this scripture of things that we need to remove. You know, he mentions quite a number of things, but if you really look at this, you can cluster these things into four specific categories and the first one which we want to deal with is the very first thing that he uh, says we must remove. We are going to deal with one at a time. So today we're focusing with the one and then for the remainder of this week we are going to cover the last three. So today we want to talk about sexual immorality. We have decided to call this episode Keep Your Pants On and obviously the pan is intended because we just want you to remember that Christ Wants to clothe your sexuality. Christ wants to make sure that your sexual sin is well covered when you put on Christ. Uh, We live in a time where people are really struggling to keep their pants on. The whole idea of abstinence or waiting until marriage is now considered uh, irrelevant, and our generation is is hasty they can't keep their pants on they're just impatient they can't wait for sex within marriage and so this is a common thing that we're beginning to see all over the world ready
1: yeah and and the whole thing of sex just the whole subject and everything that is attached to it the lust the desires, the gratification, the you know the fleshly pleasures that people pursue—it's it's a huge thing. And and if we were to look at it closely, just on a global perspective, you'll find a lot of the debts that people. Are experiencing in their lives, and even those who have already died are connected to sex. Mm. So, sex is a huge thing, and we tend to undermine its power and how pervasive it is in our society nowadays. And it's something that is becoming an issue more and more for children even. Before we used to know that uh, it's the adults that know about sex, it's the adults that talk about sex. With children, it was an intriguing topic, but it was a taboo thing. You never talked about it. But nowadays, we're finding that children, as early as those who are in kindergarten, are aware of sex. They're delving into it. So for me, before we look at it as as a subject, as a physical thing, we need to understand that it is a spiritual thing. So we really need to address it Um, with a serious perspective because it's not a small issue at all.
0: Yeah, so if you're a Christian, one of the very first things, and perhaps even the most difficult, like Reddy rightfully says, in, in this time and in this age to deal with is the issue of covering your sexuality. Uh, you know, the whole world wants to redefine who you are. They have, there's this whole big movement uh, around sexuality. People are questioning their sexual ag- uh, gender. The issue here is to try and bring doubt and confusion into who you are, who God made you to. be. And so Christ wants to clothe you such that your sexuality is secure and you are not confused by what the world is saying. And yeah, like you said, it's starting from a very young age. Children are even confused right now in terms of who they are. And they can't identify as male or female anymore because this is such a big mess. And so God wants to clothe us as Christians in this area. Now, come to think of it ready in a, in a practical, logical sense. If somebody walks in and you're naked, the natural instinct, we've seen it in movies, we see it in real life, is that you cover your sexual parts. You, you kind of try and hide that aspect of your life because it was meant to be private. And so when we said yesterday that in the garden of Eden, sin left men naked. And so what happens here is they made for themselves fig leaves to cover their sexuality. And I really believe that the very first thing that the devil wants to do is to make sure that he removes our pants like God had given us these glorious pants that kept us from knowing that we were naked as it were. And then he removes those and then he wants to cover us with fig leaves. There are so many things that people are trying to do, you know, Like that whole uh, LGBTQ plus kind of agenda is to try and find things to cover men's sexual brokenness. And so, yeah, I really believe that this is going to be a good subject as we try and explore how putting on Christ can cover our sexuality.
1: Yeah, and to just add to that, the enemy is not only trying to cover people's sexuality with fig trees, but he's also trying to uncover. Because um, your sexual parts are sacred, and those are the parts of your body that should be covered from, the naked eye from the public. It's something that is secret that should only be known by you or your partner in the event that you are married. But the enemy has brought this whole thing of, oh, there's no need for you to cover. You must just expose yourself. Let people see you for who you are. And which is why, there is a lot of nudity in the movies. And even when celebrities are on the red carpet, you find a lot of them are bearing places that should not be bad at all. They have very little covering around themselves, especially the females. So which to me um, just shows that the enemy is trying to expose people's private parts. So what should be private is no longer private. It's becoming public. And then when it becomes public, then... It heightens that sexual um, awareness in people. It awakens um, the sexual appetite in people because what you see usually has an effect on you and you want to take, you know, you see it like, if you see a chocolate cake, the instant, you know, the, the very thing that is uh, generated inside you is, is an appetite for for, for cake, then you want to eat it. So, so the enemy is also on the prowl to not just cover with uh, that which is worthless, but to also uncover.
0: Good point. The enemy has uncovered us, and whatever we are trying to uh, recover ourselves with, unless it is Jesus Christ, it is not enough. And yeah, somebody might ask, what's the big deal with sexual sin? Uh, you know, sin is sin is there any sin that is bigger than the other no we agree with with you that there's no sin that is bigger than the other but in the bible we find that paul gives this a harsh rebuke uh To the Corinthians, because sexual sin has got a way of tarnishing your reputation as a Christian. And we all know that when people fall into sexual sin, their whole walk with Jesus Christ is now questioned. And there's no no sin that causes people to question the seriousness of your uh, relationship with Jesus Christ as sexual immorality. So we have to take this seriously and make sure that we are adequately covered. And the thing is, most Christians tend to think this won't happen to me. I am way bigger or way better than this. But my youth pastor used to say to me, Justin, all the grades have fallen in this area. David, the man who was after God's own heart, fell. Samson, who's the strongest, he fell. Uh, Solomon, who was the wisest, he fell. So all our natural strengths and wisdom and what we think we have, will not be enough to cover our sexual appetite. Only Jesus Christ can do it. And so that's why we need to put on Christ in this area.
1: And I think also one of the reasons why you'd find um, certain key people in, in the Old Testament fell is because sex is such um, potent it is so powerful and no person should ever regard it lightly and think oh no it's just this i am fine i i'll only get to this far once you start delving in that area or with that issue or with that subject um chances are you will definitely have a hard fall
0: okay so the big question is what is sexual immorality because maybe somebody is listening is like what exactly is sexual immorality and i believe that the word that the New Testament uses for sexual immorality is very key for us to understand what it really means to be sexually immoral or impure. This word is ponia, and I'm sure you already know what it sounds like. It's ponia, and this word is also translated fornication, whoredom. It's surrounded with this idea of sexual impurity, and it comes from the same Greek word that we get the word pornography, and pornography. uh, Uh, carries this idea of selling off oneself. So sexual immorality is a selling off of our sexual purity and it involves any type of sexual expression outside the boundaries of a biblically defined marriage relationship.
1: So when you're talking of selling off, to me that speaks of trading because when you go to, to sell something, it means there's a buyer and they are going to give you something in return so there is an exchange that takes place there is a trade off that happens so when we trade off our sexual purity it means that whoever the buyer is and in this case it is the enemy whether you are aware of it or not it is actually the enemy it means that you have looked at what you have which is your sexual purity and you state yourself the value of the sexual purity is nothing compared to the value of what the enemy is going to give me in return so I am going to trade it for whatever it is the enemy is going to give me and the enemy, we know, whatever he gives it computes to death at the end of the day.
0: So good. So now that we have defined what sexual immorality is, it's not just sleeping with somebody, it's the idea of any form and expression of sex. So whether it is pornography, whether you're just flirting with somebody and you get into this idea of um, exposing or trading off your sexual purity for something whether it's innocent or deliberate that is what sexual immorality immorality looks like in the bible so now that we have defined it the enemy is out to steal to kill and destroy but one of the main reasons why i believe we need to um, keep our pants on comes from first corinthians chapter number six where paul makes this big plea flee run run away from sexual immorality And he says, all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Listen to what he says. He says, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? So the Holy Spirit is already in you, whom you have received from God. So if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit is already in you and you are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore you must Honor God with your bodies. Now, here is what Paul was trying to say. People read this and they just casually go through it. What he was actually trying to get the Corinthians to understand is that because your body is a temple, you can't have temple sex. Now, we know that temple sex is what they used to do in those pagan uh, temples, how they worship their gods, how they worship Baal and all those other uh, strange gods. They worship worship them through temple sex. They had all sorts of sexual sexual orgies and things like that that they will do to worship their gods. And Paul is actually saying sexual immorality is dangerous because it is pagan worship.
1: Yeah, that is a very big thing. So, which again um, ties in with the whole aspect of when you engage in sexual immorality, it is more than just a physical act. It is more than um, self gratification. It is actually a spiritual thing. So, you are entangling the your tripart being in this sin. So, you your body is being entangled in that which is filthy and dangerous in the eyes of God. Your soul which is your mind is being entangled in the same thing. So which means there's a corruption that happens there in your soul, which is why when people get addicted with uh, to pornography or they get into uh, these sexual sins, they have a hard time breaking free because the soul has become entangled. And then we come to the spiritual aspect of it because we are talking of temple worship of, of sexual gods. That means your spirit is being held prisoner in this temple by the enemy. So breaking free is not a small thing. So which is why Paul would say prevention is better than cure. Flee from it. You don't run away from something that is not harmful. When we are talking of fleeing, we are speaking of running from something that has the capacity of killing you, of destroying your life. So you have to run for your life. It's like there's a lion, a roaring lion that is coming after you and you really have to run as fast as you can. So we must never take it lightly and think, oh yeah, I'll just take a walk away from the enemy. You don't walk away from the enemy. you flee, you run from the enemy.
0: That's so good. Paul uses the words, put to death, because you can't flirt with sexual sin and and expect to overcome it. You know, if you think of Samson, he was flirting with Delilah, and he thought he was so strong, I will always overcome it, and we know the end of that story. So as believers, as children of light, we need to resist that temptation to flirt with the world, and we need to literally put to death. Uh, one of those you know, youthful scriptures that we have always memorized is, do not awaken love before it's time. Many of us, instead of keep putting to death, we choose to resurrect, we, we awaken these sexual desires, and then they get us into trouble. So you can't keep your pants on as long as you've already awakened the sexual desire.
1: Yeah, and also one of the reasons why Paul spoke of putting to death, instead of saying, put to sleep, he said, put to death, is because he understood the power thereof, that as long as it is alive, you may think that it is sleeping, but the thing is it will just suddenly jump out, and as long as it is alive, its power is still working on the inside of you, and as long as its power is working on the inside of you, you are rendered impure and unfit for service um, as far as ministry or as far as being used by Christ is concerned.
0: Yeah, I hope this conversation is really encouraging you guys to take sexual sin seriously. Because one of the things that bothers me is that the average Christian is no different from the average person in the world when it comes to sexual purity. You know, we we have kind of... Cheapened this whole idea of sexual purity, and we just kind of like it's not a big deal. What does it matter? We trade it off for for nothing. We trade it off to fit into the culture of today. We don't value being pure sexually anymore. You know, most Christians nowadays are cohabiting. Like, oh yeah, it's it's economical. It's it's cost effective, and so it's okay for me to just live with my boyfriend as long as they are serious about me. We can have casual sex. We can view pornography together uh, and all these things that Paul says to the church these things ought not to be mentioned among you we have allowed in and if we are serious about putting on Christ we have to put off these things from among um, among us.
1: Yeah, and lust is one of those insatiable desires. So it is never satisfied. It is never fulfilled. You you tell yourself, okay, I'm going to give in to this just this once, and then tomorrow it becomes another thing. So today it may look like just a glowing amber, but the minute you feed it, the minute you give in, it's like you're just throwing oil or you're throwing uh, paraffin or fuel onto that glowing amber and then it becomes this raging fire and it just grows and grows and it demands more and more out of you so the best is to just banish it stay away from it don't even entertain it because you think I'll just do this today only and and then I, I leave it at that but it's 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 that yeast we were talking about just one bit it just spoils everything.
0: So good. So, like you said, lust promises, but it never satisfies. You know, you're always feeling like, yeah, if I can do this, then I'll be satisfied. But lust, lust is never satisfied. Lust captivates, it never frees. So the moment you give in to lust, you are defeated because lust will always hold you captive. It does not let you go. It keeps you captive. So yeah, in closing, ready, there are four things that we came up with uh, that can help people to remain sexually pure and to put on Christ. And we say these things are sort of like the action plan. You need a simple and straightforward action plan on how you can keep your Depends on, And the first one was uh, developing deep convictions. We say that there's a huge difference between a belief and a, and a conviction. You know, most people believe that sex uh, outside marriage is wrong, but they, they don't hold it as a conviction. They believe that it's in the Bible. They believe that it is wrong, but it's not a conviction. You know, a conviction is something that you believe to the point of acting on. You are saying, no matter what happens, this is my conviction. I believe it and I'm going to stand on it you <laughs> You know, the idea that comes to mind is Daniel 1 and verse 8 when when the Bible says, Daniel resolved. That's a conviction. It's like, it's not just something I believe. It's not just something that I say on a Sunday morning. He resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the, the chef of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Can we be that kind of people who are saying, I'm asking my pastors, I'm asking people around me, my friends, that guys do not allow me to defile. Found myself because I have this deep conviction that I'm going to wait until I'm married.
1: Hmm. And convictions um, hinge a lot on values because you will not compromise on, let's say for me, I'm a woman and I understand it. I believe that I'm a woman and I'm not going to compromise on my womanhood or on my femininity by involving myself in a lesbian relationship because I'm sorry I'm a woman I just don't do woman or I understand that I'm a woman I'm a human being I just don't do animals and things like that so it it's a value it's a conviction and it is tied to your identity to who you are so which is why you will not compromise on it so good so the second one is ponder on the consequences of your actions before you get into it first think What is this going to do? What's going to be the impact of my actions? How is it going to affect my relationships? Uh, Firstly, your relationship with God and your relationship with other people, because sexual immorality affects not only your relationship with God, but your relationships with other people as well.
0: You know, when we seriously consider our relationship with God before we do something, that alone is enough to keep us from doing silly things, especially when it comes to uh, removing your pants. We we want you to keep your pants on. Here's a, a powerful story that carries this idea. You know, the Bible says of Joseph that after a while, you know, Potiphar's wife was trying to tempt him and calling him to come to bed, and the Bible says that he refused, and Part of his refusal was not because, oh, you're not attractive enough or, yeah, I don't feel like doing it. His refusal was based on this one thought. He said, my master, your husband, has given me everything and has only kept you away from me because you are his wife. Why should I do this against my God? He doesn't say against my master. He says, why should I offend God, my God, by taking you? So his consideration of God kept him away from Potiphar's wife and that's how he had to flee from her. So it's important for us uh, to think of the consequences, especially how sexual immorality affects our relationship with God. Which brings us to the third one already, which is make pre-made decisions. You know, making your decisions in advance is absolutely necessary when it comes to sexual purity. Don't wait until you're in the heat of the moment to decide whether or not you're going to do it. You know, set the boundaries. I am never going to be alone with a, uh, with a person of the opposite sex late at night, watching movies, or I am not going to compromise myself by doing A, B, C, and D. You, you set your own boundaries, but those boundaries must be decided and may, must be made firm before they are tested. <laughs> (laughs) If you're waiting for the opportunity, it's going to be too late. I I don't think that Joseph was waiting for somebody to tempt him to decide, oh, am I going to do it or not? He had already decided that I'm living for God and I'm not going to defile myself. Yeah.
1: So making those pre-decisions means that you are aware of what may possibly happen before it happens and you have already put a contingency plan in place instead of just being caught out of the blue. You cannot put fire in your bosom and you're not expect to get burnt. Uh, you got to be aware of what you are good at and what you're not good at and know that certain things will lead to bigger issues so you avoid them before you even get into it. So I can't take fire and put it on my bosom and think, no, I'm going to be fine. Obviously, I am going to get burnt. And so the fourth one is get accountability. You need to be accountable to people whom you trust. You need to be accountable to others that you're willing to be vulnerable with. Because as long as you are a lone ranger and a law unto yourself, you are going to get yourself into trouble. So have people that you are close with, that you trust, around you, that you open your life to, who are aware of your challenges, who are aware of your weaknesses, who are aware of what is going on in your life, so that when the popper hits the fan, is it way they will be able to help you. And for accountability also speaks of being authentic, being honest. Mm. You should be honest with people open yourself up it can't be oh yeah nothing happened no I've got it together everything is great that is not being accountable being accountable is saying listen this is my day these are the issues that I'm struggling with and this is what often happens in my life please help me so that this does not happen again so they are like your your errands and your herd that help you keep your arms up in times of trouble
0: So good. ready. I'm sure we could talk about this forever. As we conclude this conversation, any final words to help our podcast listeners to keep their pants on?
1: I think as long as you understand that you are accountable to God first and foremost, and and if you love God, you know, he also says in his word, if you love me, obey my commandments. So we can't be the kind of Christians that just have lip service like this, I love God, and we do not obey his commandments. The entire corpus of scripture is based on God's will for us and the kind of life that he wants us to live out because he's such a good father and he wants the best for us. So we cannot go through scripture willy-nilly and say, yes, I love God. But when it comes to -to day-to-day life and the practicalities of it, we are doing the opposite. So if you know that you love God, you have to obey his commandments and you are first accountable to him before you are accountable to anybody else. So if God is saying, keep your pants on, it means that you must keep your pants on.
0: I thought you were going to say, run.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, obedience means running, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, you know what? Be a Joseph. Let people call you a chicken, whatever they want to call you. Run. That's the only way you're going to keep your pants on because if you flirt with the enemy, you are going to find yourself in bed with your pants off. Finally, I want to share with you this story from the Gospels. You know, I really believe that Jesus wants to clothe your brokenness, he wants to clothe your sexual nakedness and your sexual brokenness with his grace and his mercy. And this story just came to mind as I was, uh, you know, preparing for, for this recording. And it's that story of the woman who was caught in adultery. Uh, I mean, the Bible says she was caught in adultery, which means they actually caught her with her pants off. So we're talking about keeping your pants on, but they caught her with her pants off. And they brought her to Jesus and they wanted her to be stoned and put to death. And yet Jesus in his love, in his grace, in his mercy refuses to stone her or condemn her. Uh, and and you know the story. I'm not going to go into the whole details of that story. But um, what Jesus basically did was he was the only one who had the right to stone this woman because of her sexual brokenness and because of their, the, the sin of adultery. But he uses his righteousness to cover her so that they could not stoner. And the moment they all disappeared, he doesn't shame her. He doesn't condemn her. He simply says to her, go and sin no more. And I really believe that maybe you're listening to us and uh, you've been struggling with your sexuality. And like most people, you keep these struggles private. You don't tell people, uh, but you know that every time you try and press into the things of God, you're struggling because of this sexual sin. I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ loves you so much and that he wants to clothe you. He wants to cover you with his righteousness so that your sexual uh, nakedness is fully covered, not with fig leaves. Whatever you're using right now to try and cover your brokenness sexually is not adequate. Only Jesus Christ can cover you and you have to come to him and be honest with your brokenness and say, and say Lord, heal me in this particular area. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, we are going to be continuing this conversation on what it means to put on Christ in every aspect of your life tomorrow. So if you haven't already done so, I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, share it with a friend so that we can grow together. Until tomorrow, let's keep growing.